Welcome to the Youth Voice, a podcast giving young people a voice in politics across the island of Ireland. So, I know everyone missed me over the Christmas break. We haven't done an episode for a while, but I had exams and I also turned 18, so I wanted to sleep and do all of that kind of stuff. But we're back. And I'm joined by Andrew Clark. Andrew is a history student at Queen's and also runs the Instagram page Tanistry, which I'm sure loads of you know. Uh, so, welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I mean, I'm a massive fan of the page, but and I know there's going to be a lot of our listeners are, but can you tell us a bit more about what Tanistry is, where it came from and where it's going? I well, it's a story I've told a hundred times. Now it's sort of started. I um I grew up uh sort of Protestant loyalist family. I didn't really know anything about politics or history. It just sort of yeah, I, I took the context from what was around me and studying history in school a bit and some of the interactions with you know my friends and I think my first sort of clashes with loyalist politics in 2012 or so with the flag rats just something didn't click with me started learning history uh looking at alternative views and from there I just developed I suppose an interest in actually figuring out what's behind everything in Northern Ireland and I realized that been taught things that weren't all that true or were skewed somewhat and Tanisry started off just as an outlet just I didn't have anyone in my life to really speak to about it and from there it kind of just grew it started it turned into a project to try to get other sort of young Protestant loyalists not to become nationalists but just to learn the history get understand why some people aren't unionists and I think as I said it just snowballed into what Tanisry is now so now Tanisry is I suppose a history history a community of people interested in history in Ireland and politics as well and generally assist encouraging discussions and I think it's heavily you know me and my own sort of journey through it and I like telling it to people I like getting other people on board and letting people start their own sort of journey of learning the uh, history and heritage of Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland. Um, you've you've covered a lot of different history like the stuff on you know, I think there's been stuff on the O'Neill era and there's stuff on the poppy and so, so many different topics. Is there anything in Irish history or maybe it's world history that has just stood out to you as the most, something that you've really been inspired by or something really interesting? Um, I always think, well, the big inspiring moment for me was, I think, you know, your, your United Irishman, that sort of emerging of modern Irish nationalism and republicanism because it's so beyond what, you would ever conceive to be the case today because people are so set in their ways or people like to think that they're so set in their ways um that was inspiring i think learning about just the center history and the idea that you're not sort of your destiny isn't sort of set in stone depending on what street you're born on and that was inspiring in terms of other history um i love lots of history i like the french revolution it interests me a great deal uh, decolonization in africa i really like um I'm trying to get into Chinese history. I'm struggling to get into Chinese history, but I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to get into it. And um, I, I just don't like to leave any corner of the world neglected. I started off almost exclusively Ireland, and I know so much about Ireland now. I'm desperate to just, I suppose, dive into everywhere else. And I think big ones are the United Irishmen. I love the French Revolution and decolonization I like as well. Um, I suppose a big thing that you've also done is you've dispelled myths about Irish history. Well, on you know, discuss different viewpoints. Like there's been stuff on, you know, Irish slaves and 
Foundation of Fine Gael, and just the poppy and different things like that. And even there was one, I think, today or yesterday on Queen's being a cold house reunionist. Is there anything you'd really like to do? Or is there any, you know, anything that you'd really like to delve into that you haven't so far? Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I think a lot of the things that are, you know, get known as, you know, Tanisri busting a myth or something to come as a reaction to something in the news. For example, the Cold House Queen's thing, that's, does it, uh, it cycles through the headlines every few years, I think. And it's just so much of it is nonsense. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about history and about politics. And it's whatever's in the news. I sort of see if there's people are at a point where they are ready to hear you know, what's going on. I try and sort of post Again, maybe someone will come and say, no, that's wrong. But what I see to be the case based on the history I've learned and uh, in terms of anything else I'd like to you know, unravel or dispel, there's a mountain of stuff, but it's kind of picking your battles because some people don't want to have their mind changed. It's something that happens through sort of slow, constant exposure to discourse and debate. So as I say, I, I do keep an eye on things and what's going on. And if I see an opportunity to add to a conversation or create a conversation I try to and I know it's very, very often people criticize me because it's my opinions along with the history that backs it up but I just think I'd like people to think of me as an individual not just that faceless account so and on the Queen's issue it's something that is really kind of taken up a lot of the news at the minute it's driving people a bit mental it's like Irish language activists and Jamie Bryson, of course, has entered the debate. Because what would it be, a debate be in Northern Ireland without Jamie Bryson? You're a student. You come from a PUL background, despite being a New Irelander. Is is Queen's a cold house? No. As I say, I think I said a while ago, it's cold at the minute because we have to keep the windows open for COVID. But I think uh, in terms of how welcoming it is, the I think Queen's has a lot of problems, but not welcoming people from different backgrounds isn't one of them. You cannot have a class discussion or anything happen in a classroom without there being constant, constant, whether it's you're doing it digitally, there's signs, notifications. If you're in person, that actually will tell you that people will disagree and that's fine. And you shouldn't be in university to, you know, f- form your opinion. You're meant to, you know, enrich them. You're meant to explore your opinions and you're not meant to go and find it. Um, the idea that, you know, Queen's is a cold house, it's completely made up. The Irish language isn't offensive to anyone. The idea that it should be is just sectarian, and the only people will win you by Sinn Féin politicising it as if the Shinners own the Irish language. Um, so it's a sectarian first and foremost, and then people will say something like GAA tops are offensive, and then they'll say, oh, but there's staff use their position to further nationalism because in reality they're just angry that nationalists don't cease to be nationalists once they're in the public sphere, and reality the only people who think that queens is a cold house for loyalism is young loyalists who go to queens and meet people who aren't loyalists and think that their views are beneath them and think that the the fact that they have convictions that aren't you know pro-british or aren't unionist those convictions don't matter as much as unionism and are beneath them and they get angry that people won't just shrug them off for the sake of ease and that's where this cold house nonsense comes from you know i've there are two years, and as I say, I'm a mature student, so I'm not even I'm not really blinded by the new university experience. I've been around students for many, many years, and queens of all places fall over themselves to be accommodating the different backgrounds. Now, not to say queens doesn't have problems, but 
<laughs> I think the idea that it's that problems lie in not welcoming people is nonsense. And it's made up. And as you say, people who push this are unaccountable, just gangsters or people who just they like rabble rousers and they like to cause dissent and because it fuels them. And without that, without the replies to their controversial tweets and without the the debate and the anger, there'd be nobody's. And that's why they push it. And you, you've come, you've had a very interesting political journey. I know you spoke about it in the Sherry Harlan podcast, but and I'm, I'm sure you can probably second speaking about it by now. But I'm still going to ask you about it. You coming from a PUL community, and you have kind of had that conversion, I suppose you could say, to the cause of being an edited Ireland, I suppose, or a new Ireland. Can I ask, was there was there a standout moment that just made you realise that's not for me, or has it been just a journey? It's more of a sort of Pandora's box opened moment. And as I said earlier, it was uh, the flag riots in 2012. I remember I was in school when they kicked off and a lot of my friends are going down and I was to go down with them, but it didn't make any sense to me. And I realized that I was, you know, about to go down and throw things about the place, having no notion of what it was about. And I think that once you start asking questions, once you're, if you're in a deeply entrenched community like that, once you start asking questions, it's impossible to go back, which is why so many of the progressive people in loyalist and unionist communities are you know, ostracized by the loyalists because they're just, they're a vulnerability they're seen as, and they should be, you know, leading the charge for unionism. They should be lead, like the, the leaders and the kingmakers of unionism because of the progressive voice of the ones that are going to save it, but they're pushed to the side. And I think, you know, my journey was, I uh, was a mess. I think I went from being a loyalist to a unionist to a small U unionist to then a nationalist, oh, but I don't like Sinn Féin because they're quite nasty. And then for a couple of years, I was all about Sinn Féin and then I moved away from that. And I just think people are desperate to find something to stick to it, like glue. And really, uh, nobody knows what United Ireland will look like and nobody should know. It's meant to be a blank slate to build something new. And um, that's one of the most exciting things about it. And as far as I know for unionism, I just think British rule has been toxic. I understand why some people are unionists, particularly those who see it as an opportunity to use the resources of the United Kingdom to improve the communities in Northern Ireland. But as far as I can see, that doesn't seem to be happening, um, particularly not with the Tories in control. So uh, I think seeing that first sort of burst, that latest iteration in 2012 of, you know, uh, political loyalism being marched up the hill and then loyalist communities being left there was, you know, something I didn't ever want to return to. And on kind of unionist politics, I know, Perhaps this is a bit of a loaded question, but do you think you can be left-wing in the unions? I do, I, I think the problem is there's the, who do you vote for? The, the main, you know, you've obviously got progressive unionist party, but I think the main supposedly progressive unionist party is the UUP. But the problem is that progressive unionist parties can preach the progressive all they like, and they can, you know, they can endorse important causes like, you know, they can be pro-choice, they can endorse, you know, same-sex marriage. But the problem is that all of them still have such a deep-seated disdain for everything Irish. And, you know, the UUP will slap a few Irish dancers in their election video, and then they'll come out against the Irish language, or they'll come out against this, that, and the other, and complain about GAA tops, do anything of the sort. And then the people in the UUP will rally behind the leaders as if, like, no, we're leading the progressive cause. when you can't be progressive and have such weird supremacy in your in your in your party and i think that, that you can definitely be left-wing be a unionist just because 
I think the black and whiteness of it all, there's a lot of people say, like, if you're not an Irish Republican, you're not a true leftist. And if you're not this, you're not a true leftist. And I've heard so many, you're not a true leftist. That we all know um, it's infinite, really. But I think there are unionists who are progressives and there's unionists who are, I, I would say, I don't know that they call themselves socialists because the unionists who support the monarchy and so on would have problems with that. But there are good people within unionism working for positive change. And... They're progressive and I suppose socially left-wing, economically left-wing, but um, I, the trouble is they get shoved aside and they can't really vote for a unionist party because they all hate Irish people is the main issue. So you were not someone that buys into, I suppose, the BD bounce and the hashtag union of people message. Is, is that fair to say? Uh, not no, no. There, I was people. Um, I'm not naming them, but there are good people I spoke to in the UUP. Whenever that sort of, not when it was launching, but the sort of the, I think there was Uniting UK was one of the things you called it. And different groups that were there wanting to promote positive and progressive unionism. And there are, as I say, are good people I think in the UUP and good people in unionism who I spoke to, and I would love for them to be the ones leading the charge for unionism because I am not a unionist and never will be. It might sound odd for me to encourage unionism, supposedly my opposition to improve itself, but um, you know, as soon as something like the Irish language comes up, it all comes out again. And the hate that a lot of these parties have for just Irish people and the Irish identity and the hatred comes out because we're in a position now where not only is Irish nationalism or the Irish identity equal, with British unionism, but it's in a pit where it looks like it's taking first place, even though it doesn't matter. Sinn Féin have been technically, you know, top of the government for decades now. It's not really like something massive is going to happen here in May, but it really comes out, the supremacy just comes out. And so, no, I don't really believe in that um, sort of carry-on either. It needs to be a complete rework of parties top to bottom. The DUP are still horrendous. Um, TUV are a joke. And the UUP, I think there was potential there, but they seemed determined to, you know, bury it in all honesty, because they just can't get over their the supremacy against Irish people and non-unionists. And the last thing I want to touch on is in Northern Irish politics, is there hope? Do you think there is hope for some kind of improvement, I suppose, like we've rip, just seen the executive get ripped down and we're fighting over whether or not we're going to let people speak Irish in halls at the minute in Queens. There's, you know, a lot of it seems petty, but is do you have hope for for politics? I do. Absolutely, I do. I think uh, there's a very positive trend coming now. I think where more people are instead of just saying this place is awful and jumping off the side and altogether because don't let people think that you know the Republic of Ireland is a paradise either. Um, people want to stay and fix it and. Uh, I see, you know, more and more young people particularly. And I think that, you know, might not happen this election and maybe not even next, but there is change happening. And, you know, I don't think, you know, Sinn Féin getting all the seats in Stormont or anything like that is going to make positive change immediately. But I think breaking this stranglehold that we're in right now, and I think the DUP in particular are probably the most negative force in Northern Ireland right now. Um, that's not something I say lightly. I think breaking the status quo whatever way it's done i think that change will show people it's possible and maybe it won't be this election or next election but there's definitely hope for good change a positive change and there are so many good people in nationalism and unionism who are going to do it they just have to be supported till they're at the forefront and the people who are blocking them needs to be you know moved to the side i think 
that's as good a note as any to end it. <laughs> thank you for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. To all of our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can read our blog at, at www.youthvoiceni.com. You can catch us at, on Twitter at youthvoiceni. You can catch us on Instagram at youthvoice underscore ni. A lot of stuff to memorize there. Uh, <laughs> as always, I've been Dermot Hummel, and I'll see you all next.